Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Morning Devotion. Jerry, you're the first on today. Welcome. Kyra, thank you for being a part of this, Roxanne. Jan, each and all of you, thank you for joining us on Morning Devotion. This is a special day, a special day for those living in the United States. It's Columbus Day. More on that later. But I do want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in this season, in this life, let's bind together, let's join together, and let's see what God can do in the midst of this time. Our our hearts and our minds are just filled to the point of being overwhelmed. And we need each other, and we need to stay strong, and we need to stay together. We can get through this season together. We're three-quarters of the way through the year, and I just believe that God has His hand on us, and that the best is yet to come, and something good is on its way. I, I can't go too much farther. Today is Monday, October 12th, but I can't go too much farther without just saying that our thoughts, our hearts, our prayers are with everybody just to the east of us and south and in central Louisiana. What an ordeal you guys have been through. Our prayers are with you. Our hearts are with you, working on a few projects to try to help in whatever way we can. It's not enough. But at least somebody, you know, somebody cares and somebody is thinking about each of you. Thank you, Cindy, Barbara, Patricia, Yolanda, Angela, for being here. You know the drill. Like the page, follow the page, share the page. And let's make today an incredibly special day. And let's make it count for the kingdom. And all of this week, let's let it count. Today is Columbus Day. It's a holiday in America. It's recently been recast as Indigenous Peoples Day. It's 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 not a peaceful holiday this this season. It's not a holiday without contention. There's a lot of strife over this holiday. And I'm going to speak to you a little bit about that, but in a larger sense, I, I want to talk about America. And I want to talk about the great gamble. The great gamble. And I, I, I just believe that that is not yet over, folks. It's not yet over. That God is going to help us. God's going to help us during this season. And we're going to see that last great awakening happen, not only in the United States, North America, but around the world. We are going to see that. Are you with me today? You with me? The great gamble. Oh, boy. Uh, The great gamble, I believe, was the founding of a country based on the premise that all men are created equal. They are endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Those are the words in the preamble of the Declaration of Independence, and they form the essence of a great gamble. Could a country be founded? that would lift the yoke of oppression off of people's shoulders? Could a nation be founded that would throw back the the tide of tyranny and give breath to those longing to breathe free, those huddled masses from afar? 
And the answer is yes, a nation like that could be founded. But I guess the question today is, can such a nation survive? And I want to talk to you about the great gamble. But before I do, I need to talk about those who gambled to find the Americas. It was 1,000 years ago this year, the year of 1020, Norseman Leif Erikson, he died. He's credited by many with being the first European to set foot on North America. But it wasn't until 500 years later that Christopher Columbus assumed that primary honor, even though Columbus never did set foot on the North American mainland, but islands in the Caribbean, Central America, South America. But Columbus inspired a wave of exploration. And for this, he's credited with discovering America. Indeed, the very act of launching on that exploration was a gamble, a great gamble. When the Nina and the Penta and the Santa Maria set sail in 1492, they didn't know where they were going. They didn't know where they were when they arrived. The day Columbus died, he believed the islands he found were the West Indies. And with that mistaken notions, he named the indigenous people Indians. Not a perfect man by far, but recent years have accentuated supposed imperfections, and there's a certain amnesia about the goodness of Columbus' qualities. President Ronald Reagan said it best in Columbus Day from years gone by that Columbus is justly admired as a brilliant navigator, a fearless man of action, a visionary who opened the eyes of an older world to an entirely new one. And above all, the personality, he personifies a view of the world that many see as quintessentially American, not merely optimistic, but scornful of the notion of despair. That's what Reagan said of Columbus. Columbus was, in a sense, a risk taker, a gambler. He gambled his life, his ships, his fortune, his fame, on a dream, on a theory. One historian, Henry William Eisen, wrote of Columbus, the belief that the East could be reached by sailing westward was held by many learned men. It was not original with Columbus, but he was the first and the only man of his time who was ready to gamble on that belief and risk his all in an attempt to demonstrate the theory. And for that, he deserves a place amongst the greatest characters of history. History also shows that Columbus had a conviction, not only that the East could be reached by sailing west, but that God had raised him up for to accomplish a great purpose. And from that conviction, he never wavered. As one poet put it, he knew he was his constant boast, a servant of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And with that confidence, as Eisen put it, Columbus gambled. He gambled that he had the skill, the fortitude, the men, the material to see it through. And he staked everything he had in this life on that belief. It's in the 107th Psalm we read that some went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observe the Lord's power in action. You see, Israel as a rule was not a seafaring people. To them, the sea was a thing of menace, mystery. To journey into deep waters placed one at risk of losing so much. Giving up a quiet village for the life of a fickle sea, surrendering friends and families, losing the privilege of worshiping in synagogue or temple, homesickness, seasickness, heart sickness, and the thought of being, of perishing at sea and not being able to be buried in the sepulcher of father. That was an abominable thought to the Hebrews. 
It was perhaps that dread of the sea that caused John to emphasize that in that heavenly vision in Revelation 21, he saw no more seas. You see, the psalmist, indeed all of the Hebrews, saw the ocean as a great gamble. And they realized that man who ventured upon the sea risked losing it all, but also that that person could see great gain. Because hear me, hear me, Don, Joe, I want to tell you, Keith, I want to tell you, the one who risks more sees more. The one who launches into the deep can see the mighty works of God. In a sense, it's a gamble. Gambling's probably not the best word used, uh, but gambling has, and, and, and gambling has very few con- positive connotations. I mean, it trusts Lady Luck more than Jehovah Jireh, motivated by greed and inconsistent with the work e- ethic. Gambling oppresses the poor, is addictive, associated with other evils. Poor stewardship distracts from two riches. I know all of that about gambling. And who can forget that while Jesus died on the cross, soldiers gambled below the cross in the shadow of the great redemption story. But I would also say that in a way, every one of us is a gambler. We are gambling, not in terms of casinos and lotteries and so forth, but in the sense that all of life carries some measure of risk. And to fully live We must dare and dare greatly. In a profound sense, every one of us gambles. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And the psalmist would tell us that those who dared to see great things, those who dared to step out into the seas and sail into the unknown, that they see the great glory and the power of God. I just believe that. You know, I read a study. I read a study of 90-year-olds. They were asked, they were asked, what one thing would you change in your life? If you had it to live all over again, what is one thing you would change? And those 90-year-olds could teach every one of us something today. They said this, I would risk more. God didn't call us into a cocoon. He called us to spread our wings and fly. God called us uh, to be risk takers. Oh, not foolhardy, not going out and just doing things foolishly, but saying, God, I believe that when I reach the point of the unknown, you are there waiting for me. Can I get a witness to that? Praise God. There's a risk to being born a human. You run the risk of suffering. You run the risk of heartache. You run the risk of being real and vulnerable and being hurt. But with that risk comes the possibility of a great reward. Job suffered so much. One moment he wondered, am I going to live? Am I even going to live? And then the next moment he says, I know my Redeemer lives. Paul suffered much. Romans 7, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. But in the next breath, he says, but I thank my God. You see, overlaid on our misery is a great quest to launch into the deep and to find the glory of God in our life, to live life to its fullest. Like two bicycle mechanics named Orville and Wilbur Wright, who made up their minds they could fashion a craft that could fly through the air like a bird. What a gamble it was. Any sane person would have said then, nobody can fly, but confident of victory, they 
launched into the deep, and they set about to fulfill their dreams. They put their own lives at risk, but accomplished man's first flight. Marriage is a risk. Having children is a risk. Being a child of God is a risk. Being successful in any area of life carries a risk. And what about Calvary? Wasn't that the greatest risk of them all? Jesus gave all to purchase an unseen church. He gave all for you and me. I'm thankful he took a chance on you. I'm thankful he took a chance on me. God wants his children to step out in faith, not to be thrill seekers, not just to be risk takers, but to step out in faith, to launch into the deep and see the wonders of God. Those doing business in great waters, the psalmist said, they're going to see God at work. One moment, one moment, uh, a wave is at its crest pointing into the heavens. The next moment is plunged into the depths and the sailor's soul will melt and stagger to and fro at their wits ends. But in the deep, they can cry to the Lord, the psalmist said, and God will hear them and God will calm their seas. You hear me carefully. Had they never launched into the deep, they would have never seen God show up. David stepped out with a simple faith that God was displeased with Goliath's boastings. In a sense, he took a great gamble. He gambled on the steadfastness of God, and that's no gamble at all. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't know if they would be delivered, but they stepped out in faith. And had they never done it, they would have not met the fourth man in the fire. Elisha said, okay, Elijah, I'm going to take a risk here. I want a double portion. And Elijah said, well, it's not for me to give you that double portion. It's a hard thing. But there's a chance if God will allow you to see me when he takes me into heaven, that God's going to come through for you. And Elijah did, Elisha didn't take his eyes off Elijah. He ignored the criticisms of the wannabes and followed after the man of God because he was following his dream into the deep. And God came through in a majestic way. And when that mantle fell and Elisha took it by the hand, all the eyes were on him. There's usually an audience when you take a risk. Elisha cried out, where is the God of Elijah? Slap the waters with that mantle. And you know what happened. You never go wrong stepping out in faith. God will meet you there. Eleven voices probably said, Simon, stay in the boat. It's safe here. It's okay. Just stay a little while. You know what? Put some Dramamine patches on you. Just don't go out there. But there was one standing on the waves with his hand outstretched and said, Simon, come. Church, even when we risk and fail. It is far better to fail into the hands of God than to succeed in our comfort zones. Oh, praise God. Cindy and Joe and Tessie and and Lawanda, I'm just telling you, I want to step out of the boat and see the works of God. There is a glory. There is a glory in getting out of your comfort zone. And we remember that today. On Columbus Day, we remember a man who sailed not knowing where he went. Do you know that risk-taking brings great glory to God? 
after the storm, after God shows up and bring calm, brought, brings calm. Here's what the psalmist said. Psalmist said in Psalm 107, 31, he said, I say, launch in the deep. And after you see the glory of God, after he brings a calm, we read, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's why we step out in faith. That's why you take risk. It's not to see what we can get. It's to see how much glory we can bring God, that God can do more than we ask or think. So start asking, start imagining. Step out in faith. It was a few hours ago, I I wrote a letter to our church family. It's being sent out to this week. And I wrote these words that we're now three-fourths of the way through the most defining year of our lives. This unusual season has tested us on every hand, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. But God has given us strength and wherewithal to walk through the high and the low places of this season. And together we're going to make it through. And I, I really believe that. I believe God is going to see us through this. And here's what we're doing on morning devotion, gathering here together. We're saying we're going to make it together. We're going to see the hand of God at work. The great gamble. The great gamble on this Columbus Day that we want to remember is that a country was founded, the United States of America. Can she survive? As believers, we know. We know that we're citizens of another world. We know that this world is not our home. Our home is in heaven. The kingdom invisible now will become visible soon and everlasting. We know that. We know that. But America, with all of her problems, has been such a force for good. In a certain sense, she's lived up to our ideals by being a beacon of light to the oppressed. In his inaugural address at the eve of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln said, we shall nobly save or meanly lose the last best hope of earth. I believe America has been the last best hope for many, many nations. And I pray for America this great gamble. 400 years ago next month, the Mayflower landed at Plymouth Rock, hoping to build a shining city set upon a hill. If our nation, if the days of our nation are numbered, then the brightness of this world shall be diminished. And we need to pray, believers. We need to pray as never before. I've seen America counted down and out many times as I share in the book on prayer. I believe that she's got one more revival in her. I believe America has one final great awakening. Do you share that belief with me? Do you share the belief that even 400 years after the Mayflower landed, that we can still see that shining city set on a hill on this day? On this holiday that recalls an audacious risk-taking, a great gamble, I pray that we could bind together. And we could pray that a fresh breeze from heaven, that ruach, that pneuma, that breath, that mighty wind of God that filled the upper room, that it could sweep from sea to shining sea. God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. I believe this great gamble, it can survive for one more awakening. And I pray 
And I pray that this group and many groups like this all across the world that are praying and believing for one great awakening, we're going to see it happen. We're going to see the great glory of God on display in this earth. We're going to see your family come to God. We're going to see your prodigals return home. We're going to see revival of miraculous proportions, demonstrations that have never been seen before. Greater things than this shall ye do. I believe that the latter is going to be greater than the former, and God is going to pour out his spirit in abundant fashion. If you believe that with me, would you just do your best this week and say, I'm calling on the name of the Lord. I'm calling on the name of the Lord. We're believing for an awakening. We're believing for a regathering. I pray his blessings upon you. Please take a moment, share this with someone, but share your requests, your prayer requests, the great needs that are amongst this community of faith right now so that we can bind together and we can pray together and we can see God move in a mighty, mighty way. God bless you. I look forward to being with you all week. Go in the love of the Lord. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.